Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Psychosocial Distancing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Chadbourne. With me, as always, is Thomas Brooks. Hello, hello. Hello there. It's been forever. Hi. It's been forever. No, just a peek behind the curtain. This is our fifth episode to record in a three-day time period. (laughs) I'm I'm tired, but I I will be energized once we get talking. uh, Yes. Because we've got uh, kind of our last big... End of an age, end of one age, beginning of another discussion um, as we kind of continue this this discussion on individualism, shifts in religious systems, and the modern religious movement that has moved away from the community and focused on the individual and control. Mm-hmm. And because we're we're dealing with that, we're going back to, well, I guess we could argue we are still part of a kind of global community with an interconnected collective unconscious. Right. I think that is thus far sustaining us as we uh, disperse our communities and organizations for uh, individual paths of enlightenment, if you will. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're still connected on some level. Mm-hmm. Sure sure so yeah we're, we're gonna talk a little about yoon but um in kind of a modern context with kind of ending or kind of picking up where we left off in our last discussion with the uh, the age of aquarius and this this kind of shift to individualism and control um talking a little bit about religious consumerism neo-paganism um basically the individual now chasing what the community used to give them Mm-hmm. seeking out that spark right <clears throat> and i think this ties well into what matt rosano spoke with us about in this mm-hmm. death of ritual um i feel like we're and this may even go into what we discussed too with the hyper real religions and like the society of the spectacle that there is a loss of both like community, but also direct mystical experiences Mm -hmm. at the same time. And that we're trading it for consumable images and like, I don't know, the diet Coke of ritualistic experiences because that's all we can have right now. Right. So, So memes are diet ritual, diet ritual memes. We need to get back to ritual classic. This new ritual yes. isn't cutting it. It doesn't taste the same. Mm-hmm. They changed the formula. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess the use of Diet Coke is apt for this because I think I want to f- focus at least this episode on religious consumerism. As, as we promised earlier in this season, I was going down and taking the Catholics down with me. Um, but there is a massive consumer market dedicated to religious iconography works um symbols statuettes etc that i feel like is super popular right now with the neo-pagan movement which i think we'll dive into in just a minute but it has a long history of different particularly christian particularly catholic uh consumable 
or consumerist items or goods that people collect and purchase in order to receive personal fulfillment. So I'm thinking of like uh, icons of the saints mm -hmm. or the Virgin or Jesus Christ. Um, the Protestants have a little, even though they're, you know, iconoclastic to an extent, you know, you still see the suburban homes with uh, the, the cross wall, right? Yeah. Are you familiar with the cross wall? <laughs> yes. My, my Catholic grandmother has the cross wall. Oh, does she have the cross wall too? Yes. No, that's like the, <laughs> I walk into a house and see a cross wall. I know exactly where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I am fully oriented into this person's spiritual practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, that's even more fascinating because it's not like specific. It's not like a crucifix. It's not just the crucifix. It's just crosses. And yep. all sorts of shapes and sizes and designs and everything like that. You could probably even like slip a Celtic cross in there and it would like fit the theme, even though mm -hmm. it's definitely not the same kind of iconography. Right. And it's, uh, there's always the turquoise one. <laughs> Whether you live in New Mexico or not, there's always the turquoise one. And they're with, pretty. Like, the silver studs. They are pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is this, I guess, uh, desire to reflect the self in your consumer patterns or in your material possessions that then reflect the image of yourself back to you to reinforce that like identity structure, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. if we're talking about kind of a shift into that kind of control society and that purchase and forget about all the other stuff going on like it only makes sense that there's a market for this and in the same way as like like i've got all sorts of art and crap all over my room um that reinforces my fan culture connections um mm -hmm. it's the same thing it's it's the the and i i think it's a, it kind of maybe an interesting chicken to the egg situation uh what came first the the you know, but it's, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's all out of the same process of a market to sell you your identity mm -hmm. or to help reinforce your identity through uh, what they're selling you. Mm -hmm. And so when you then build up the identity through market consumption, then that then predicts more consumption of those goods in the first place. Yeah. Um, to bring some psych into this, I don't know. Have you read the Sam Gosling book, Snoop? What your stuff says about you? No, I don't know. I would. I, I should probably read it, but I don't know. If it's I'd a like it. fascinating book, and so Gosling goes through. What year was this? Two thousand one, and it's like it's marketed as like a pop psych self help book. Yeah, but it actually has uh, Big Five data oh, cool. from participants in it. And it goes through these people's homes and office spaces and looks at kind of the positioning of particular items and how they speak to whether or not they're reinforcing your personal identity or whether or not they are uh, presenting your identity to other people. And so how you do like uh, identity management or impression management with others, right? Oh, yeah and so it's like the difference between having the family photo on your desk facing you versus on the wall behind you when people walk in and they see it right and yeah. so 
when it's on the desk, it's you're reinforcing your connection to your family and your family identity. Mm-hmm. But if it's behind you, then it's conveying to the person in the room with you that uh, you are a family-oriented person. That's that's it's fascinating. If um if I I actually I, I I did a shift at the beginning of like videotaping my lectures, mm-hmm. so I added all the art behind me. Um, it, it's all presentation, and so it's all there to like add more color and space. It was just a blank wall with like a big picture of like the world so i just had like mm-hmm. a app behind me at, at one point um and especially my early recordings um but like just out of you are my family pictures and that's for me and i'm not gonna mm-hmm. you know no one else needs to see that my students don't need to get a glimpse into my family life um it's just not they don't need that um i don't need them to know more about me than what they know and what they need to know is just that like i'm interested in fan culture stuff and so that's that's what's there and i kind of think of the same thing like my office as well i got all sorts of crap in my office but there's stuff that's like tucked away on a shelf for me versus stuff that's just out in the open Um, right and that's fascinating and i guess i mean it definitely works the same in terms of like how you display your religion Mm -hmm. no absolutely like if you have the cross wall in clear view when somebody walks into the house yeah that's not just for you that's different than having it in your bedroom. Yeah. Which I'm I don't just... know why I would <laughs> want to put a bunch of crucifixes on my bedroom wall. Well, you know, but Thomas, but if Jesus is your boyfriend. If Jesus is my boyfriend, right? So that is, uh, I think that brings in some of the psych, that impression management yeah. to this conversation about like yeah. reinforcing identity. Because on one hand, like maybe the saint that you the icon of the saint that you purchase is something just personally for you mm-hmm. and so it's tucked away and nobody else engages with it whereas if you have you know the saints hanging out in your living room where you like have guests yeah. over then that reinforces that social theory about you and how you're perceived yeah that's really fascinating um it makes me think a lot more than uh <laughs> than i was expecting to think about this um just in terms of of, of a lot of things and, mm-hmm. and how we present it i mean it makes me also think about like we we go further into like the consumerist aspect of this because we'll i guess we'll start with christianity and then because it's the big one in in the u.s but then we'll move into like how these same analogs play into neo-paganist groups but like the um like wearing a cross necklace reminds mm-hmm. me of this too because like how much like if, you, if you're wearing it but it's like under your shirt like it's there it's close to your heart makes me think of um and and, and catholic tradition i don't know if they have this in other truths but there's a scapula and so it's um it's uh it's like a corded band and there's, there's a little picture on the front and a picture on the back and you wear it um the according to like catholic tradition part of it is like if you if you die with this on like it kind of guarantees you kind of a spot and at least in purgatory it's like it's right. fine but you wear it under you don't you don't show that to anyone mm-hmm. um and it does have like like uh figures um you know it might have mary or, or jesus it might have like a prayer inscribed on it um it's all cloth um for the most part and so like that that is something that's very personal if you wear something like that uh, whereas, you know, and the same thing, if you're wearing that cross under your uniform or under your shirt mm-hmm. compared to like, 
it's on full display and it's big and it's gaudy and it's heavy heavy encrusted with like turquoise (laughs) (laughs) right if you're showing that to the world um Mm -hmm. a lot of that would say you know different things and it's also going to cost more you you Mm -hmm. know you only you only need a tiny little like silver cross to wear or even you know just some other base metal just take two pieces of wood from the tree outside tie them together into a cross shape and put it under your shirt and that's all you need to do yeah so but that's not gonna display it in the same way as if it's like a gold cross Mm -hmm. i think that might be one of the analogs with uh fandom that religion has right so yeah you know you see like early catholic church like doing you know people paying the church to like pray for their dead relatives to Mm -hmm. you know get them out of purgatory for example and so like there's this constant influx of money coming through purchasing the spirituality or metaphysical you know properties i mean martin luther had a huge issue with it it was this big big deal that happened you know he may have killed ritual according to matt rosano but he did uh put a stop to you know paying to get people out of yeah what is it called plenary indulgences ah but it's an indulgence yeah you you go and tell the priest hey i did this terrible thing um and the priest goes all right you give us like a 100 bucks and you're you're forgiven Mm -hmm. you take our now now it's kind of shifted like you take a class with them oh you were married before well if you come take our classes like we will give you the the absolution and so mm-hmm. then you can get remarried or something like that. Um, yeah, it kind of keeps you. And again, there's that sunk cost fallacy. The more you're spending on the church, the more you're going to want to be continue to be a part of it. Um, right, exactly. And so Henry, like that's Henry VIII. part of a principle. But I feel like it's changed with this fandom of religion idea yeah. that like in the same way that like an anime fan wears an Attack on Titan t-shirt or they have the uh what is it the naruto headband or the dragon ball like gold encrusted dragon ball collection right um christians are purchasing iconography i wrote a paper on this (laughs) yeah yeah it was one of my first papers um do tell yeah fans display um because of a, a need for belonging it's it's to display and attract other members of your community it's to display Mm -hmm. to other people hey i'm a member of this group i don't care if you are but it will let other people who are in my group know that i'm part of their group Mm -hmm. um and so that display builds that sense of community without verbally having to say it and so if we're talking about christianity um Mm -hmm. I can show that I'm a Christian with this iconography or with wearing my cross necklace or putting a certain decal on my truck or whatever it may be. And that lets other people know I'm with you. I'm in your group, just like Mm -hmm. waving a flag or wearing a shirt or a hat or whatever it may be. It's, it's, you're just telling other people you are in that group. Um, And also possibly telling people who are not in that group, like, Hey, this is my group. If you don't like it, stay away from me. Right. Um, it, it can be a, a you know a, a sign of others, but typically it's about belonging. That that display was most highly related to. We looked at belonging, entertainment, and then finding purpose and meaning. And if you're displaying to others, purpose and meaning isn't important or isn't as important. 
Uh, entertainment's not important, even though you like it. But you watch the show for that. You don't. You don't. You don't wear an Attack on Titan shirt because you like Attack on Titan. Like you watch Attack on Titan for the entertainment. You don't wear the shirt for the entertainment. Mm-hmm. But you, you do wear it for the sense of belonging because of that sense of belonging. If you like to share, if you like to to expand um, your group in that, if you like to share with your your likes with friends and family, you display because mm-hmm. of it. because you want other people. You want to attract other people who are in that group, and then you also want to let other people know that if they're interested, they can talk to you about them. Right. So, so evangelical fandom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't done a follow-up study on it. It was like a couple of years ago, several several years ago. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I'd arguably be able to find the same thing if I have a religious sample. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're not That's wearing less it, about you know. their own personal spiritual journey. Yeah. It's about signaling to other people mm-hmm. that they're on that journey. Yeah, I mean, it, like there's always overlap. So I could definitely see someone doing it while they're on that journey. Like, like it is important to them. Otherwise you wouldn't display it if you didn't feel secure enough in it, or you didn't feel it was important to you. But, uh, but yeah, definitely it is about transmitting to the world around you, much like you were describing with, with that book. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's telegraphing to everyone around you or transmitting to everyone around you that you, you are a member of this group. You are, you are a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So, I guess with this material backdrop, we can discuss who the neo pagans are and why they spend so much money on their stuff. <laughs> I, you know, when I think of these groups, it's just because I go on way too many YouTube rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. We're down too many YouTube rabbit holes and watch people who go on very deep dives into some of these communities. Um, I'm thinking of very different <laughs> communities, but I think the underlying psychology is the same. Like, right. Usually I'm looking at like the more maladaptive ones or the grifting ones or the ones who I think are 100% true believers, but are like what they're selling isn't what the the average person is going to be into mm-hmm. um but if we're talking about the average neo-pagan i think that's what you're getting into and, and right i i would say that the resurgence of paganism probably starts in the victorian era um so this isn't necessarily i i feel like what we're going through right now is particularly like innovative in the same way that like atheists existed during enlightenment but like there were different atheists in the aughts i feel like the pagans take the same route um because the paganism started kind of as a uh part of the romantic uh literary tradition mm-hmm. with like uh i'm thinking of uh the shelleys in particular yeah. where there's this uh distress and longing to return to nature and community within a rapidly industrializing world and so it was kind of the uh reaction to uh industrialization and so people moving 
from their farming communities to the big city and developing gender roles as we know them today and living in gray spaces Mm -hmm. instead of green spaces. And so there's a lot of uh, literature around that time in the late Victorian, early Victorian, like that whole period really. But um, this idea of leaving the city and returning to the countryside to uh, worship Pan, for example, or the resurgence of Pan. Um, There's a really cool book I read recently. It's like super short. It's called The Garden God. And it's like one of the earliest like homo romantic books ever written. Mm -hmm. And it's about this schoolboy who grew up in the countryside, uh, super sheltered, didn't go to his private school till he was much, much older. But how he would live in this imaginary garden with Pan or a reincarnation of Pan. And then he went to school and then fell in love with a boy who was the boy from his dream garden. And then they become friends and then they become romantic. And then the dream boy gets hit by a horse-drawn carriage and dies. And then the story ends. So it's, you know, OG gay literature trope in that way. Um, But one of the like appendices is like a piece of the story that was taken out where the boy is talking to the god Pan and Pan is saying that, you know, they destroyed all my temples, they built their churches and they thought I was dead. But in every fleeting moment of pleasure that you have in the wilderness, uh, that's when you venerate me. And when you hear me speaking. And so this original idea of like this, the Christianity is uh, not cutting it. We're moving into this industrial nightmare of, you know, Frankenstein and cogs and steam and, you know, algorithms in the modern sense, like you can apply it to like the algorithm and Mm -hmm. rampant consumerism and megacorps. And so because because of Protestant work ethic, I'm sure Christianity mm-hmm. is super tied to capitalism and consumerism and like working your bones down and staying poor. Um, the reaction to that is this neo-pagan movement towards returning to the old gods, returning to nature, leaving the city um, and worshiping the earth essentially outside of industrialization. Um, And that led into the development of uh, Wicca Mm -hmm. in the early 20th century, which stayed fairly popular and dominant through the 20th century. But with the rise of the internet, now everybody has access to everybody's paganism. (laughs) So arguably we're seeing a similar problem with like Wicca as we're seeing with the church is that... Mm -hmm everyone can individualize their own stuff and like main the kind of the mainstream movement that began is very different than some of what's evolving from it right because there was a very typical religious structure right like there were covens Mm -hmm. with high priestesses and you had to go through like induction ceremonies Mm -hmm. in order to join and now you can go on reddit or tumblr or youtube and like watch you know a self-described witch talk about how she like inducted herself into paganism right Right. and i'm like okay i understand what you're doing 
and it makes sense in the context of what you're doing it in but also that's not an induction because you're not joining a community right right it's still it's still very personal mm-hmm. and then that of course gets to what we were talking about last time with like you get into the modern control society and it becomes a, another marketing hub mm-hmm. i mean even it makes Which... me yeah oh yeah no now you can go buy your sword and your chalice and your pentacles and your robes and spend 600 700 a thousand ten thousand dollars on your religious garb yeah uh in order to perform ceremonies in your house alone (laughs) i mean it also makes me think too like you were talking about kind of like the move towards a more green and in connection to earth like that's becoming so commercial now too you know mm-hmm. this idea of like we gotta get eco-friendly stuff and i mean we should we should we should be concerned um but i'll take george carlin's stance on it like we should not be concerned about destroying the earth the earth will be here we're gonna destroy ourselves mm-hmm. if we don't take care of the planet the planet is gonna survive it's just gonna become the planet plus plastic right um but like that's become a selling point. I mean, even to the point where you can, if you're, if you're buying a product now and you're concerned about like GMOs or you're concerned about gluten-free or you're concerned about like, I want something green or I want something that's like free range or something like that. Not only like, can you find legitimate stuff like that, but you can pay a company to get the rights to use the, like the non or the gluten-free label or the non-GMO label, even if your product has GMOs in it. Oh or yeah, has or has gluten, or you just put gluten free on stuff that has nothing. Like the, mm-hmm. the, we do not have gluten to start with, um, but we're seeing this kind of like shift to that like more conscious. And I mean, you can maybe argue looking at like some of these like modern neo pagan movements, especially like the ones that are still maintaining at least very small communities online, or still trying to build up small communities there's very much that kind of like i mean it's almost like a pseudoscientific level of interaction but like there's still a focus on like connecting with the world connecting with the global consciousness Mm -hmm. being a part of something bigger than yourself but it's still you alone in your room recording videos right talking about how you are one of many star children right but it's exactly we're, we're all connected we're all still star children together, but I stay at home by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I don't know, I'll pick up on your like green products bit for a second here and make fun of some vegans. Um, but the consumerism like, and that display of symbols in order to communicate with other people, like your values, mm-hmm that is all for the self right that's not like just because you so like let's say someone who's vegan we'll pick on the vegans and they are environmental vegans right so they're not like they believe that humans can eat meat and that like it's part of a diet and etc but they're very very concerned about you know uh pollutants and water use and land use associated with cattle and pigs mm-hmm. and chickens and they're concerned about the ethical treatment of these animals which is absolutely fair right absolutely yeah no definitely so they go vegan and mm-hmm. they go to walmart and they walk down their frozen food aisle and they pull out all of their soybean 
foods that they eat and supplement their diet with, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the soybean industry just so happens to be one of the largest deforesters of the Amazon rainforest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and you buying Uh. vegan from the same company that's also producing chicken nuggets. Right. Great value chicken nuggets. You may feel good about your choices as a human individual, and you may feel good about telling people that you're vegan for because you're concerned about these legitimate ethical things. But that consumption does not translate into the activism that people want it to be. And I would argue the same applies to religious groups who buy the icons, buy the 57 decks of tarot cards. Yes, I'm shading myself right now. Um, Purchase salt crystal lamps buy their salt crystal lamps right well to be fair i only buy my salt crystal lamps at uh ross (laughs) so they're like four bucks yeah no that's smart that's smart or buy them from like a like a a goodwill store like right exactly so like there's you know so i would argue that the religiosity through consumption is the same right like Mm -hmm. Just because you purchase the items, just because you feel good about those items, doesn't mean that you're participating in spirituality or religiosity. Yeah, and then it kind of goes back to what we talked about with like the control aspect. It keeps you busy, it keeps you as a consumer, and you're not too worried about the other stuff going on mm-hmm. um, because you're not really paying attention to like the deforestation of the rainforest. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, if we're talking about like, and you know, you're not really paying attention to what, let's say, a political leader kind of playing into that religious consumerism is actually voting on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're you're not paying they're... attention to the fact that people keep appointing Catholics to the Supreme Court. <laughs> right. When we were really worried about that as a country, you go back to like JFK. Right. Really concerned about Catholics taking over with the power of the church. Um, and then we were like, deeply concerned about evangelicals, but there are no evangelicals there. They're all <laughs> they're all the old school Catholics. They're all yes. like the 70, 80 year old Catholics. Well, the younger they're, they're younger now. But, There's younger ones, too. But that's just so. crazy to me. Yeah. So yeah. you get into that cycle of identity and false internet community and showing your symbols for the world to see, and then nothing comes of it. It it also makes me think a little bit too of like where we're seeing with some of these modern, um, and I don't want to like crap on like new age movements because there's a lot of like really good people and a lot of really good mm-hmm. meaning and like you know again like you want to go vegan because you're concerned about this stuff absolutely like the farming industry is messed up mm-hmm. <laughs> how we treat animals is messed up the way that like the system is built is messed up because it you know it's again putting like profit over the end result mm-hmm. um but we kind of look at very similar things with like the rise of these like conspiracy theory movements and stuff like that. It also makes me think too about like our conversation with, with, with uh, Enders and um, Uzinski was mm-hmm. that this idea of like, well, but no, like, yes, they are swaying some people, but they're not swaying. Like we're, I think more concerned about some of these groups than we actually should be. And like, there are, there are definitely some like conspiracy theory people who have gotten elected into positions and like, mm-hmm. Those people are a concern, 
but they're also in like highly gerrymandered districts and like there's a lot of this other stuff but they're they're playing into that same game you look right. at that there's 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 a particular representative in, in particular who's, who spouts a lot of conspiracy theories who had a near failing um was about to go into bankruptcy and now is like a multimillionaire. and congress it only it's the other one the one from colorado it's the one from colorado the one from colorado oh, okay <laughs> um <laughs> But um, but like they're they're playing they're in part they're playing a game like I, I don't deny that some of these people are true believers and I mm-hmm. see that with with some of these internet groups it's really hard to parse out who's the true believer and who's not and does it matter like you know no. again we we are who we pretend to be right right um but they're they're kind of in it because it it's it's working for them they're offering solutions they're preying on those those actual concerns that people have about let's say big pharma and the healthcare system you can talk smack about big farm and the healthcare system and be completely on point. But then if you're going down these rabbit holes and getting involved in some of these groups, like that's maybe not the solution mm-hmm. or it's not as helpful. You might feel that it is. You might feel that you have this spiritual connection. You might feel that this is a beneficial thing, but we're kind of like, it, it's, it's tied into that. Someone's making money off of you. <laughs> They're winning. Right. And that's kind of when we get into, and this is a spoiler for a while from now, but we're planning yeah. our pseudoscience season, right? Yes. And I think that is going to be the key that I want to focus on that season is like, here is the grain of truth where I understand where you start. Yes. Here is where you go off the rails and start making somebody else money. <laughs> yeah. And again, it doesn't matter if that person you're making money is a true believer to their cause, because again, they might have started where you are. Grain of yeah. salt. Um, they've got a little hidden truth there, but then they're like, "I don't know how far I want to go into some of like the weird communities." Like, then they want to like eat raw monkey brains, right? And like, okay, that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not necessarily built for that, like like better a monkey brain than a monkey paw (laughs) (laughs) you know what the monkey paw doesn't have prions and and won't cause like serious disease um in the same way that like an uncooked brain (laughs) i'm not gonna get into that um (laughs) or like or like or like the people who have that grain of truth like again like the healthcare system is against us we spend more money for less care in the United States as we do. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking for something and you want to go back to the all natural sense. And you're like, okay, right. great. And then someone says, all right, like we have this new all natural solution that we want to sell you and it's bleach. Right. Or it's turpentine. And uh, these are actual cases. We'll get into them more when we talk about pseudoscience, but these are actual cases. Um, and that they, they, they string people along because they're playing into that. Like, look, we've tried the healthcare system. It's either too expensive or like, we just can't find out what's wrong Mm -hmm. because maybe it's a rare illness that like doctors, like there aren't incentivized to research. And so you're looking everywhere for help. You're desperate. And so you, you find this and we're kind of looking at a very similar thing. Like you're, we're desperate for ritual. We're desperate Mm -hmm. for those connections and we find it in consumerism <laughs> and I'm, I'm terribly right. guilty of it i love buying stuff um, oh yeah no like i told you i was dragging myself i probably have like 20 decks of tarot cards yeah to be fair i don't use them all for spiritual practices i buy them because of the art but like 
Yes. You know, if I would like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. Make a uh, what's that uh, game that you play with the big board that has all the cards on it? Um, uh, not spades. And like you put the poker chips down as you like draw cards with teammates across the board. Is it bridge? Not bridge. Jen? Uh, not Jen. No. It's uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's yeah. a large, it's a big, big, big board that you like glue a deck of cards down onto and then you cover oh. it in like a protective thing. Oh, cool. And then okay. you use it for playing card games, right? Oh, okay. Um, I would love to do that with my for most of the tarot cards that I have because I don't open and use them, right? Right, so, right. That's and the my... art, you want to display it. The art is yeah. what's, what's enjoyable about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. And so... I would argue that that's, you know, I'm thinking of like the return to ritual and purchasing things. I'm thinking of like these exorbitant retreats out in Taos that's north of us mm-hmm. for people in Texas and California to go to and like have super controlled ritual experiences and pay buttloads of money to go sweat their ass off in the high desert. Um <laughs> Well, I mean, but the same thing of like, like wanting to like go hiking and wanting to do that. Like there is, it's, it's wonderful. Like everyone should do it. I want to mm-hmm. go hiking more. I want to go camping more. Um, because that like, there is something about returning to nature when it has been like denied to you. Right. Um, I love living here because like I can walk out my door and see mountains and like mm-hmm. that to me is, is a more fulfilling moment than mm-hmm than it was where I was living. Even though I was living in rural Louisiana, it's just more fulfilling than like walking out. It's like 100% humidity and there's just trees. <laughs> like, right. I see these everywhere. Um, and I will say with New Mexico too, there are tons of free hiking. Mm-hmm. Well, quote unquote free hiking, right? Yeah. Like you still have to drive there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like you can just pull over. There's a spot I'm thinking of on the way to Santa Fe from Las mm-hmm. Vegas. Where people just just pull over on the side of the road and go on this gorgeous hike through the mountains. Yeah. And so I think the similar rules apply to, like, you can go be a hiker hobbyist fandom person, right? And you Mm -hmm. can go pay a bunch of money to get into different, like, exclusive hiking or retreats to go do your hiking. Or you pull over on the side of the road to the free, like, trail that is just there that's not even really maintained, but, like it's set aside as part of state uh, forests for you to use. The the problem though, is that, and, and I, I probably mentioned this at some point, and it's kind of like when I, when I look at like, or I try to explain to someone like, all right, why doesn't, why isn't this person paying attention? Like, you know, all right, you know, they're, they're electing someone who's not voting in their interests, who's actually voting against what'll help them. Like, why aren't they paying attention? I'm like, well, cause the average person doesn't have time. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of this. We don't have time anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, our ancestors had plenty of free time, surprisingly. Oh, yeah. Um, but we're in a world now, and this could also add to that decline. It's why it promotes that that control and the, the, the spending, consumerism over spending time with your community is because the time it takes me to buy something on Amazon is so much less than taking two, three hours out of my day to go and attend a service or attend a meeting or something like that. It's just so much time because I have other meetings and other commute groups and other things that I have to do as part of it, or I want to spend time with my family. And so I have to turn, turn down these other things. 
And so it's like, yes, there's that free hiking trail in the road, but do you have time to go? Mm-hmm. And you could make religious iconography to display, but do you have the time do to you learn have time and do to it? Make it. And do you have time to engage in the ritual for that religious experience? Or do you just need the commodities Mm -hmm. in order to reaffirm that identity because you can't put in the work and time to maintain it yourself? And again, like it's, it ties back to like Protestant work ethic that we talked about. It is of no fault of the person, whether we're talking about the, the vegan who has to shop at Walmart or the person who's like buying the stuff to do, but like, you know, buying their, their sword and their chalice and their robes and everything like that. There's, it's sort of like everything is stacked against them, mm-hmm. potentially being able to do it the right way. Right. Or, and especially if we're talking about like, even like in like, a more like, fulfilling way, maybe not yeah, a right way. Yeah. In a like, more fulfilling who way. Who knows? Like, this may be the dreamland in like 100 years <laughs> when people can't even buy their religious uh, iconography. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but but like even then, like it, it's even difficult, like on a societal level, like in just in terms of like even like like stereotyping and and uh, stigma towards let's say vegans or Wiccans mm-hmm. or whoever, um, that that it could be even more difficult. Like especially if you are looking for those other those other sources, it could be difficult. It's easier. It's maybe just as fulfilling because you remove some of that social stigma if you're doing it at home. You don't have to worry about that person finding your robes and your sword and your chalice and having to explain to them, oh, this is not satanic, but I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, and so it's just, it's difficult. Uh, more so because of those those additional constraints, because of that shift and because of, I mean, we'll think of everything we've talked about so far, Protestant work ethic, shift of societies, how we're kind of taking old systems and they're being kind of twisted and modified into new systems thanks to the internet and consumer culture and things like that. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, once again, our folk devil on this podcast. Capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd say when I started this, I wasn't so much of an anti-capitalist, Thomas, but as I get older and older, I'm surprisingly not becoming more conservative. As I get older and older, <laughs> I'm becoming a bitter left-leaning old man mm-hmm. and i don't think i don't think it's ever going to turn in another direction i'll still probably complain about kids these days and their oh, yeah. and Always. their roblox and their minecrafts you say that but you play i minecraft. play minecraft yeah no <laughs> oh what i'll say i'll say they're among us's and they're roblox there you go they're, for, they're fortnites they're fortniting but, you know, in 20 years, we'll be looking back and writing another book and we'll be like, man, this this religion of Fortnite is getting out of hand. <laughs> and I don't want to. So do you think that we will be able, I mean, obviously we ended the last episode with kind of a, you know, downer that the age of Aquarius is just beginning and we're going to mm-hmm. suffer and be happy about it. Um, do you think that we will be able to find that ritual in the future i guess like we'll be able to surpass the consumerism we'll consume or is that kind of out of our hands like the consumer structure just needs will fall on its own and then we'll have to like pick up the pieces i mean i don't know i i don't think uh, we'd have to see a major shift i I don't think we're gonna see like we as a society 
aren't letting it fail. Mm. When it does fail, we support it and we let Mm. it continue in failure. I mean, we saw that with the 2008 recession. Mm -hmm. So I think if we see another collapse of the housing market, which is supposed to be soon, it's projected, it's happening. The the millennial dream, a housing collapse. (laughs) I mean... I'm an I'm an old millennial late Gen Xer. Like I got real lucky. Uh huh. Um, but like, hey, if it collapses again, you can go buy a ranch. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, like I mean, I'm an optimist. Um, when it comes to a lot of this stuff, I see people gaining meaning and purpose out of fan culture. Like, there's definitely consumerist angle. I think the Bronies are a weird exception to that though, because like for a long time they weren't being marketed on. So like the mm-hmm. marketing came from within the fandom. The fandom was like, I'm going to do Brony art and I'll sell that. Or like furry like artists doing Brony art. Yeah. Like they were like, Ooh, this is untapped market. I don't care. I'll do it. I'll draw, I'll draw ponies. Like I, I draw wolf people all day. So like, who cares? Um, right. And there's definitely that. And there were people, but there were people who were also like, made money off of it but their original purpose was like i am inspired to write music i'm inspired to do this art and it just so happens that people are willing to buy it mm-hmm. um or like there there are things within the fan community that have taken off um and that people have found a lot of like purpose and meaning for that now it isn't ritual mm-hmm. um it isn't even ritual behavior it's 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 finding meaning through like stories and tales and mm-hmm. um, fables and things like that and so it's very union you're you're finding meaning through the archetypes the archetypes help drive um you know learning more about yourself and how you engage with other people but um but yeah i i don't know i think i think either we're going to see like a real fight back um but like you can't force this so like you mm-hmm. you could have like let's say catholics in power decide to take over the government and decide to mandate Christianity, completely throw the First Amendment out the window. Christianity's or Catholicism is mandated. Um, you have to go to church. You don't get anything from that. There might be some people who do, but the the people who are already gone, the people who already said like, "No, this church doesn't fit me." You can't control that. I mean, we see that in like um, um, certain Middle Eastern countries with um like mandating so you still have atheism they're just not Mm. open you still have um same-sex partners they're just not open about it you still have feminism they're just not open about it because they're persecuted but the second you remove that persecution away it's going to come to the surface because they're they're free to do it um Mm. you've always had it you take the most anti-lgbtq county in the country they still know the guy down the street who has a partner right like they still know the like they still exist. Um, there's there's no there's no community that's devoid of that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we'd probably find it somewhere. I mean, maybe we'll get back to like walking on coals mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, looking up at the stars and feeling something. And maybe you know, if, if we think new history is like a like cyclical, we're gonna find it somewhere. We're gonna have those experiences. And I think with fandom, you can see similar things like people will have something akin to a religious experience or a religious awakening. Now, it's not religion, mm-hmm. but psychologically, it's similar. 
mm-hmm. um, or they go on a pilgrimage to a site mm-hmm. and that is meaningful and it it stirs something in them to be on platform nine and three quarters or um, visit Gene Roddenberry's grave or like um, Gary Gygax D&D there's a little plaque and there are D&D players who will go and roll their dice on his plaque because it like blesses the dice hmm. uh, there's weird ritual when it or like ritual like behavior when it comes to D&D players um, but yeah it's it's I think you'll you'll have it or something will have to come out of it because I don't if we are a ritual species we got to find something yeah, we can't or, be denied it forever. Or something's going to develop. We're going to have like a, we're going to have a, a reckoning, and I don't know if it's going to take an age for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm, I'll be optimistic with it. Something will happen. Something will snap, and it's either you're going to have like one group clinging to an attempt to keep ritual to the last breath, um, and then you'll probably have a rejection of that because we're individuals and we don't want to be put in a box and controlled. Um, but maybe out of that, and maybe with that individualness, like we're going to go back to like wanting to find, I mean, even as an individualistic culture, we strive for community. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's going to exist. We're going to seek out communities. We're going to seek out like-minded people. We see that with modern fandom. We still find purpose and meaning in it. We still find moral codes. And I mean, there was surveil like we talked about surveillance last week. There was surveillance of the My Little Pony fandom. Mm-hmm. They came up with the uh, what would ponies do, like what would Jesus do <laughs> bracelet. But it was what, WWPD. But it was the idea of like, hey, instead of stopping and asking myself like in this situation, what would Jesus do? Like, what is the appropriate Christian reaction to it? They would say, what would these ponies who preach friendship and cooperation do? Well, they would, they would right. help people. And so if I'm if I'm if I think and meditate on my on it i'm kind of going through what the community do and that helps to drive my behavior and that helps to make me a better person and i gain something from that i gain that through helping others or being Mm -hmm. kind to other people and in that case that particular fandom was about like it really was built on this concept of friendship and cooperation and and so there was a very communal aspect to it and so maybe Mm -hmm. that's going to be the difference like you're going to have communities like that build up and strive um and 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 even if they're flash in the pan they last a couple of decades um they're going to be the ones that kind of like survive versus Mm -hmm. the communities that are toxic and that are constantly fighting with one another they're going to like dwindle or they're going to become so big no one wants to like really like star wars is a good example of that right i'm so burnt out on marvel and star wars i love it i'll watch everything that comes out but but like, I don't feel anything with those communities. Like I would mm-hmm. feel like at a furry convention or a brownie convention or, you know, something a little more niche that has mm-hmm. a, that sense of community, the positive community. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, that, they're that's, already developing religions. So we'll see if they can actually implement some ritual behavior or yeah. some rituals. Yeah, and I think that's going to be going to be part of that difference, and then it could be ritualistically watching an episode. I mean, but that'd be ritual behavior. It wouldn't really be a ritual. Mm, we're not reaffirming metaphysical beliefs about ourselves in the world. Yeah. So, so hmm. maybe we'll get into that hyper real sense. They're going to take something that exists and adopt this on top of it. Right. 
And that's probably what we'll see. We're, we're going to take rituals. Maybe we'll go back to like shamanistic ritual. Psychedelics are going to be big and clinical in the next 20 years. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right on. So, and you know what? I'll, I'll leave that as our ism of the week. This like potential future ism um, of ritual through community, shared community. Um, maybe it'll exist. We'll mm. see. Only time will tell. So, but I mean, we've got to at some point. Like, yeah. If ritual it'll... made if ritual made us human, at some point we're going to become so disconnected, we're going to have to strive to come back together in some way, in mm-hmm. some meaningful way. And maybe that's where the next age starts. I don't know. I don't know what the next age is supposed to be. Uh, the next one will be. Was that Pisces Aquarius? Will it be Capricorn? Age of Capricorn. I don't know what that's supposed to be either. So, yeah, I don't so either. I don't... None of us will be alive for it. So, and and regardless, <laughs> we we are bonding, especially when we talk about fan communities. We talk about certain religious um, stories, parables, mythologies. They're all part of the collective unconscious, Thomas. Maybe we're just lying and waiting for the next religious resurgence. It'd be like what Futurama had Star Wars, I mean, Star Trek become its own religion until they had to ban all Star Trek from the, you know, because <laughs> they got a little too far. And we'll see it just cyclically come and go. Oh, man. When the Trekkies rule the world. Yeah. And well, on yet another existential note. <laughs> I think we'll uh, close out this season. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Are we closing out the season with this one, or do we have one more? We might have one more. It depends on when it happens. Yes. So if we're closing out guest. this season, um, I hope you've enjoyed. I hope we've had something that made you think. Mm-hmm. Um, or laugh. And, or and laugh. Then think. And then think, yeah. And then if not... Um, we got one more episode coming up, so I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out when then, it happens. Then we'll shift gears and talk about something else. Yes, and it'll be exciting. We're going to continue our year of clickbait. Yes. So we're going to move on to I something. I will say our year of clickbait so far has not been working. Um... Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. There's too many podcasts. Too many. And on that well, note. It's been fun. Happy summer. Good luck with your new semesters. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.